Hey guys, welcome back to the Bubbly Thoughts Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, this is a little bit of an out-of-character kind of episode from what I would usually do. Um, so if you're a first-time listener, just as an FYI, I am doing something during the month of October and calling it Buzztober, where every day I'm going to be uploading a new episode of some scary stories from the No Sleep subreddit on Reddit. And uh, so if you're not into scary stuff, come back um, after October and my content will be more on the bubbly side of things. I just wanted to change it up and do something fun that I'm actually really interested in. So if hopefully you've either listened to the Glitch in the Matrix episode so far, and welcome back if you have. And if you haven't, maybe go ahead and check that one out. And just in case you haven't, um, go ahead and listen to episode one of Spooked or of Buzztober. God, I'm already buzzed where I'm like screwing up the name of my thing that I created myself. So basically what I'm going to be doing is sipping on bubbly um, or whatever the hell I want and just reading over some scary stories that I've saved over time. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and dive into day two of Buzztober. I'm just going to reiterate, if you are somebody who doesn't enjoy scary things, these are not the episodes for you. Come back at another time. Um, I will try to give trigger warnings where I can. Um, I'm not perfect, so I'll try to think of things as best as I can, but just please be advised. Uh, This is mature content. This is not meant for children's ears. Um, And all of this is fiction. None of it is real. It's just kind of fun and it's supposed to get you in the mood for Halloween and the month of October and fall and all that kind of good stuff. So without further ado, um, I'm going to go ahead and dive into today's episode. Welcome to day two of Buzztober. All right, and we're going to kick it off with a two-sentence horror story, and this was written by user Nenny123. My therapist assured me that the short-term memory loss is normal after a family member dies. But if I don't remember where I hid the murder weapon soon, there's a chance the police may find it before me. (laughs) I love the two-sentence ones, how spooky something can be in just two sentences. So before I begin this next one, I wanted to go ahead and give a couple trigger warnings out there. Uh, This next story, that'll be my short horror story that I'm reading, um, there are references to uh, domestic abuse and domestic violence, as well as blood. Um, When it comes to the blood reference, if you don't have issues with blood, it's probably not going to be anything to trigger you super hard. It's, you know, not going to make you feel like too woozy. If you are someone who can even hear the word blood and pass out, I'll stop saying the B word so you can move on to the last part of my episode. Um, But I would recommend skipping this next part of the story um, or this next story that I'm going to be reading. If either of those are issues for you, please keep in mind, I'm going to reiterate again, this is mature content. It's false, but a lot of these topics are very real things that people deal with. So if you have issues with either one of these things, go ahead and skip to the last episode now. Okay, so this next one was written by user KJ Camps, and the title is My Daughter Takes My Pain. I was pregnant with Sarah when I first prayed that she'd take away my pain. I was sick of all the beatings, the cursing, the tormenting. My husband was not a nice man. Knowing that I'd be a mother soon was the wake-up call I needed. I left that night, packed my bags while he was out, bought a bus ticket, and completely disappeared. I prayed to God for Sarah that she would take away my pain, that the beginning of her life would also mark a re-beginning of mine. What I didn't expect was for God to take my request quite so literally. It was only when she was just over a year old that I figured it out. 
Sarah was sitting in her high chair watching mommy cook. I was cutting up vegetables for our dinner when the knife slipped, slicing open the tip of my finger. I swore, rushing to grab a kitchen towel when suddenly the pain vanished. I stared at my finger as the wound sealed, leaving a perfect little white scar. Suddenly, Sarah screamed. I ran over to her and watched in horror as blood started to spill from a slice that slowly drew across her little finger. From that day onward, my safety was no longer my own, but Sarah's too. She took my pain and we shared the same scars. One on the tip of our finger, one on our knee, one on the underside of our chin, one on the side of our left foot. All of my scars were now hers, except for one. I was called to her kindergarten almost a year ago. Sarah had injured herself in the playground and they took her to the emergency room. They told me I wasn't to worry that it was just a simple gash, but it probably needed a few stitches. That scar was her favorite in the shape of a little star on her forearm. It was the only scar we didn't share. Our lives weren't perfect, but we were happy until he tracked us down. I knew it, I knew it was him from the way he knocked on our door. That pounding held a really familiar anger to me. I pushed Sarah into her room, told her to lock the door. I ran for the kitchen and grabbed a knife from the drawer just as he kicked down the door, shouting and raving. He leapt for me, put his hand around my throat. It wasn't just the fear for my life that made me lash out with the knife, it was for Sarah. His choking hands would end not just my life, but hers too. I buried the knife up into the hilt of his chest. There was hardly any blood, and without a sound, he dropped to the floor. I knelt down, shakily, feeling for a pulse in his arm, and there wasn't one. It was then that I noticed a small scar on his forearm. It was the shape of a star. Eee, that one was so violent. Yikes. Um, that's crazy, though. I mean, so well written. I wasn't really sure where that twist was going to go. Um, so, okay. We're going to go ahead and dive into our last story of the episode. Hey, guys. For my third and final story, uh, just as a trigger warning, um, there is a little bit of gore. Uh, there's violence. And um, obviously there's dis the discussion of death, which you'll hear about in the title next. Um, if anything like that is triggering for you, go ahead and just wait until the next episode comes out. And this one's in, uh, written by username Richard Saxon. And the title is, Every Year on My Birthday, I Have to Die. I died for the first time on the 18th of August, 2006. It wasn't a particularly pleasant death, nor was it one that I expected. It was simply the random act of violence that destroyed my life, and it came out of nowhere. We were just relaxing at the pub, enjoying a few drinks after a busy day at work. It was my turn to buy a round of drinks, so I was trying to get the attention of the bartender. I felt someone punch me in the side. At first, I thought someone had just hit me, but then it, I felt the warmth and the rapid stream of blood pouring down my shirt. I realized then and there that I'd actually gotten stabbed. As far as I can remember, it wasn't even that painful. Still, my legs gave out under me and I collapsed to the floor. Even then, I worried more about ruining my expensive suit, ignoring the fact that I might be dying. Oncoming death is funny like that. Everyone thinks they're the exception and that they'll get out from whatever horrible situation the universe has thrust upon them. At least that's what I thought, as the life dream for my body. The world around me just faded to black, and before I knew it, I had just died. Then there was the void. At first, it was a little more than darkness, only broken by weird shapes and colors in the distance. 
As I regained a sense of my surroundings, I was dragged towards a new world, one without pain, suffering, nor death. All there was were people on the journey to different destinations, whether they had all died like myself or they hadn't been born yet. I didn't know. All I knew was that I wasn't afraid anymore. The worries, the anxiety, and all my fears had been left behind. A light appeared in the distance, endless, far away. I knew that would be my final destination, my final purpose in the brief life I'd led. Unfortunately, I never managed to get that far. I was jolted awake in my own bed, soaking wet from sweat and shaking like a maniac. My hand reflectively clutched my side to cover up the wound I'd sustained, but it wasn't there anymore. In fact, I didn't have a single scratch on me. <laughs> Had it all been a dream? My phone lit up on my bedside table. I picked it up to find dozens of text messages and missed calls. Hey man, we're at the pub. You coming or what? The first message read, sent at 9.43 p.m. Hey Rick, where the hell are you? The second message read, sent at 10.23 p.m. Then there were a couple of phone calls and another message. I guess you fell asleep or maybe you're getting lucky. Whatever, I'll drink another shot in your honor. Happy birthday, Rick. Then I had over... 20 phone calls and a singular message that sent shivers down my spine. For fuck's sake, pick up the damn phone. Something happened to Danny. I immediately called back. My fingers were trembling, both from anticipation and from the memory of what had happened only a night ago. Even if my death had been a little more than a nightmare, I knew for sure that I'd met up with my friends at the pub. The phone rang three times and Jake picked up. Rick, is that you? Where the hell are you? Jake asked with a panicked tone in his voice. I, I don't know what happened. I, I guess I fell asleep, I half-asked, half-stated. Danny got stabbed last night, Jake said without listening to my explanation. Stabbed? How? I don't know. Some nut job just walked up behind him and stabbed him in the side. I almost dropped my phone in shock. Danny had been attacked just like myself in the same place. A thousand thoughts rushed through my mind, but worry quickly became my main concern. Is he all right? He's still in surgery. They're only letting his wife know about... Wait, here she comes. Jake put down his phone, but I could still hear the muffled sound of their discussion. Danny's wife seemed upset, but I couldn't make out the words. Jake, I asked. He... he's dead. Danny's dead. The next few moments turned to a blurry haze of information. We'd all known Danny since we were kids, and now he was just gone. The murderer never even made it out from the pub. Apparently, he got shot by one of the patrons as he tried to attack another guest. Still, I just couldn't shake the feeling that I was supposed to die that night. Regardless of what happened, time marched on without answers. Some of our co-workers quit after Danny's death, trying to hopelessly move on. I didn't blame them. I also needed some distance. I never even told them what I experienced that night. It wouldn't have helped them anyway. A year passed and I hardly spoke to any of my friends. I started to get some semblance of normalcy in the wake of Danny's death, but that would all come to an end on the 18th of August, 2007. My birthday had arrived yet again, and I had absolutely no intention of celebrating it. Instead, I called in sick to work, bought a bottle of whiskey, and spent the day playing video games. By the time day had given way to night, I'd almost finished the bottle. Even as a rather large guy, the alcohol had hit me hard. At around 9 o'clock, I had just passed out in bed, awaiting a horrible hangover in the morning. I only awoke around midnight when I heard the front door forcefully break open, followed by footsteps and whispers. I tried to get up, still drowsy from the alcohol. As I took one step out of my bed, I slipped and came tumbling down onto the floor. It produced a massive crash. 
loud enough to alert whichever intruder had broken in. I thought you would say no one would be home, a man stated angrily. Don't worry about it. I'll go deal with them. The footsteps moved quickly in my direction. I tried to lock the door, but they were too fast, kicking it open and knocking me back down to the ground. A masked man entered the room holding onto a gun. He only spoke a single sentence to me before pointing the weapon at me and pulling the trigger. You should have stayed quiet. Unfortunately, the man was a horrible shot. He aimed at my head, but had hit me in the throat instead. There I lay, drowning in my own blood as I desperately gasped for air. I couldn't crawl away and I couldn't call for help. I died on my bedroom floor on my own birthday, just as I had a year earlier. Once the life finally drained from my body and the god-awful pain ceased, I was back in the world beyond. I walked through the same colorful dimension that lay just on the edge of life. I admired the shapes and colors as they passed. In the distance, I saw a tree with branches stretching endlessly from its trunk. From each branch dangled a person, real but not existing in our world. I wanted to visit them, but that wasn't my destination. Because just like before, I would awake in my own bed, unharmed by the events from the previous night. My phone buzzed and I was filled with unfathomable dread. I still couldn't quite believe it, but I started to understand that someone would take my place in death. Hello? Rick, it's Dad. Your mom. She passed away last night. A lump formed in the back of my throat. I knew what was coming next, but I had to ask. How? What happened? The police say it was a burglary gone wrong. I don't know. I was working late. I should have been there. The discussion trailed off from there. My dad was distraught and could barely form coherent sentences. He blamed himself for not being there, but I knew the truth. It was all my fault. During the next two months, he fell into deep depression. I couldn't blame him. He'd just lost the love of his life. I moved in with him just to help him pick up the pieces. He put on a strong face, trying his best to keep the ship afloat, but I could tell how close he was to just breaking down. If only I'd been there. It wasn't your fault, Dad. Had you been there, you might have gone too. You don't know that, son. But I did know, because the burglars weren't ever supposed to visit my parents' house. They were supposed to kill me. I had to come clean. I had to let him know the truth, but how could I? Half a year passed, and the secret ate at me. After everything that had happened, I still didn't know how to explain it. Still, I decided it was time to share my curse. Dad, can we talk? Yeah, what's going on? He asked with a worried expression on his face. He knew me well, and he could tell a heavy burden was weighing me down. I started by telling him about my first death, down to the smallest detail. Of course, it matched everything that people had witnessed in the pub that night, even the location of the stab wound. I told him Danny had taken my place in death and that I felt guilty. Naturally, he was skeptical at first, but then I told him about my mother. I didn't spare him any details. I told him where he'd gotten shot and that the door had been broken down and that there were two robbers. Every detail matched perfectly down to the letter. I'm so sorry, Dad. It was my fault. I killed her. He just sat there in silence processing what I had just told him. It wasn't your fault. I was confused. There wasn't a single ounce of anger in his words, only overwhelming empathy. How could you say that? She didn't have to die. He mulled over his next words carefully before speaking. You didn't do anything wrong, Rick. You just went about your life, and these things happened to you. I don't know why you've been brought back or even how, but you're not to blame for the things that have been done to you. So you believe me? I asked. He nodded and embraced me in a hug. Suddenly I wasn't allowed in the world anymore. Someone knew what was happening to me. What if it happens again? Then we'll get through it together. 
He stood by these words, even as my next birthday rolled around. The death was more tame. I just slipped in the shower and broke my neck. The last thought that went through my mind as I left for the world for a third time was, how fucking cliche. Once again, I awoke in my bed. I called out for my dad, making sure he was still alive, horrified that he might have taken my place. I couldn't even breathe until he came rushing to my side, asking what happened. I broke my neck, but I'm fine, I think. It took a while before I figured out who had taken my place that time, but once I heard that my boss had died, something broke inside of me. He was the kindest man I had ever met, and just like myself, he slipped and broke his neck. That was the final straw. It wasn't some bizarre coincidence I could brush off, nor a premonition. I decided then and there that I couldn't live with the responsibility. I had to put a stop to it, even if it meant giving up my own life. I figured that if I took control over my own fate and killed myself outside of my own birthday, maybe I could prevent more people from dying. First, I left behind a long letter to my father, explaining why I had chosen to leave. I couldn't face him in person and knew he just tried to talk me out of it, but it was something I had to do. I couldn't allow any more people to die on my behalf. Alas, fate is a fickle bitch, but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't even end my own life. I tried hanging, but the rope broke. Then I tried to shoot myself, but the gun jammed. When that failed, I tried to drive my car into a tree, but I somehow survived that as well. Any attempt was met with failure. All I could do was wait for my next birthday and let someone die in my place. No matter how many times I tried, I couldn't die. I was a slave to destiny and it was destroying me. In 2009, I was hit by a drunk driver. My girlfriend took my place. In 2010, I drowned, and my kind neighbor had to go through that death. In 2011, I died from a brain aneurysm, which ended up killing my aunt. And so on and so on. Each year, I'd die, and a person close to me would take my place. I kept trying to find a way out, but fate wouldn't have it. Years went by, and on the 18th of August, 2019, I would die for the 14th time. I had already fallen sick a week earlier, much to my doctor's confusion. According to each and every laboratory value, I was fine, yet I kept getting sicker. My father and I both knew time was near, but we also knew I'd forcibly be brought back. At midnight on my birthday, my heart just gave out. I was jolted awake in my own bed, and the sickness was a little more than a distant memory. Dad? I called out. No response. I got out of bed and called his name again. I was met with silence. I didn't have to call out a third time. I already knew what had happened. I carefully walked into his room, horrified at what I knew was to come. He was dead, just gone from a heart attack. He'd taken my place and I could do nothing to save him. The funeral came and went in a blur. The only noticeable thing was the missing seats from the people who had passed before him. Some of them had lived their own lives and died as nature intended, but a number of them were supposed to live on. Instead, they'd just taken my place in death. I inherited a number of things from my father. Among them, I found a letter addressed to me. It looked rather worn, so I could tell he had written it a long time ago. Dear Richard, today is your birthday, and it has officially been a year since your mother passed. While I miss her greatly, I'm thankful to still have you around. I know that if she was given the choice, she would want you to live. I feel the same way. We both know that I might one day take your place in death. Never doubt that I would happily give my life if it means that you may live. You didn't choose this curse, so never blame yourself. Just do what every person is supposed to do. Appreciate the people around you because you never know which day might be their last. I love you. Dad. Since I read that letter, I've been looking for a way out. My father might want me to stay behind, but how can I live on knowing that I'm taking someone's place? I've long since left town, living by myself in a cabin somewhere away from people. 
hopefully if I have no one left that cares about me, people will stop dying. At least until I can figure out not only how to die, but to actually stay dead. I'm sorry. Dang, I feel like these have been so heavy. Um, <laughs> that one's like really freaking sad. Um, it's good though. I mean, again, beautifully written and what could be more terrifying than instead of you simply dying, you die a death every single year. And instead of actually dying fully to its extent where you can move on and you'll never have to die again, somebody that you care about loses their life too. God, it's so, it was a really good story though. Um, hopefully we'll get some more spooky ones out there too. So that'll be it for uh, day two of Buzztober. Um, hopefully you were able to get a little buzzed while drinking this. If you were driving, I really hope you didn't get buzzed. Um, but if you're at the comfort of your own home, just trying to get into the Halloween mood, hopefully you were able to get buzzed with me. But I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, and stay buzzed and stay bubbly. Until next time.